0: joining us. I'm Heather Packard, Manager of Product Development at CFA Institute, and I'm joined today by Jim Ware. Jim is a chartered financial analyst with over 20 years of experience in the investment industry. He is the founder of the Focus Consulting Group and also the author of numerous publications on leadership and firm culture. Thank you for joining us today, Jim.
1: Delighted to be here, Heather.
0: You note in your white paper, Investment Tribes, that the investment industry does a relatively poor job of recognizing the importance of leadership skills. Can you comment on that, and then also your thoughts in general on the lack of leadership being a contributing factor for the global financial crisis?
1: Sure, Heather. So we use a a model for leadership with investment people that's fairly simple, but I think it's effective, and that is what we call the three hats of leadership. So the first hat would be what nearly every investment professional, particularly one with a CFA, has, and that is what we call individual contributor. So they are very good technically at doing their job. Say they're a bond trader. They really know how to trade bonds. They're excellent at that. What happens, of course, is the Peter Principle kicks in. They're a great bond trader. They make lots of money for the firm. Next thing you know, they're head of the bond team. Well, now they have to put on the second hat, which is managing the team. So the first one is leading the self, which they're usually good at. The second one is leading the team. That one they often are not prepared for. People say that it's the biggest leap in skills to go from an individual contributor to that first line manager. Bigger than going from first line manager to CEO because it's a whole different set of skills. So you need to all of a sudden be able to give feedback effectively. You need to learn that your job is to get work done through other people. So you find a lot of people in the investment world are still managing like crazy and trying to do the work themselves rather than acknowledging that, you know what, my days of doing all the work are over. Now 80% of the work should be done with all these fine people around me. But I need the skills to get that out of them. I need to be able to empower them. I need to be able to delegate decisions down to them. I need to trust them to get the work done. So that would be the second hat of leadership. And the third one is, this would be up at the enterprise level, leading the firm. So then this person who's leading the bond team ends up as the CIO. Well, now he's in the C-suite with the chief executive, and now he's got to be able to to think enterprise-wide to all the different responsibilities at that level. Things like building a strong culture, things like paying attention to and promoting the high potentials in the firm, getting the most out of the talent, attracting good talent, developing the talent, keeping the talent so they don't lose the good people, creating a vision for the firm, helping the CEO to really manage the enterprise. So back to your question, what is it that the investment professionals are weak at? We'd say they're weak at those second two hats, the leading the team, leading the firm. As it relates to the crisis, I think a lot of leaders in the investment business were unwilling to really have the courage it took to say, you know what, if so many people are rushing into the subprime kind of investments and that sort of stuff, there's got to be something fishy about this. Now, we do know a few leaders who went against the tide and said, you know what, this is not good stuff anymore. We've got to step back. But they had so much pressure, particularly if they were publicly owned, to go ahead and keep dancing until the music stopped, right? So I think that was a leadership courage issue that they, many of them knew were probably well beyond the point where we should still be investing in this stuff. but what are you going to do? Everyone everyone else is doing it. So, yeah, there's room for improvement with investment professionals on their leadership and their management skills.
0: In your CFA Magazine article, Sludge, you make a link between a firm's culture and effective decision-making that you know the surprising. Right. Can you explain why and also your related concepts of Sludge and Red X's?
1: Sure. So, It surprises us when we ask firms, is culture important to your firm's success? We ask people in rooms, for example, speaker retainer speeches, which I do a lot of. There'll be 100 CFAs in the room, we'll ask them. We use the real-time clicker technology to get real-time feedback. We'll say, is culture important to your firm's success? And on average, 93% of them say, yeah, we've got to have a strong culture. Then we put up a slide that has 10 different things that you might think were benefits from a strong culture. And we wonder, why do you need a strong culture? You say it's important, but why do you need it? So we put up all these different possible benefits It helps us brand the firm or it helps us with teamwork or these various things, all of which are true. But the number one vote getter is better decision making. So we think that's interesting. We're delighted to see that answer because we think that's true. The stronger the culture, the better the decision making. And that's why we're in business, to help with that. But it's neat to see that the people who are in the trenches day after day make that same connection. So it was wonderful to see there's a fellow, Ray Dalio, who runs Bridgewater, the hedge fund, and he's written extensively in a piece called Principles on why the, the culture at Bridgewater is so strong and how it leads to better decision-making. And when I read that, I thought, that's it. That's what we've been trying to do and say all these years is indeed if you get rid of... You asked a little bit about Sludge. I'm now named Dr. Sludge in the industry, thanks to the CFA putting me in the cover of their magazine. So Dr. Sludge on Sludge says, Sludge is everything in the organization that slows down effective decision-making. Things like rumors, gossip, politics, bureaucracy, these kind of things that, as a CEO, you'd look around and say, I hope I don't have too much of that in the organization. And what we notice is stronger cultures have a lot less of that, a lot less of that. So if, I'm, if I get some kind of conflict with one of my coworkers, instead of going and gossiping to five other people, I go to that person and I say, you know what, we've we got to straighten this out. Now, that would be a healthy dynamic within a culture as opposed to the gossiping. So when there's a lot of fear in an organization, we know that that leads to more sludge. So if you can get the sludge down, it tends to strengthen the culture and make the decision-making better.
0: And could you touch a little bit on what you define as red Xs in that, that sure. article as well?
1: Sure. So we, we've coined this term, the red X, sort of by accident. We just had happen to have a red X representing the person who doesn't really fit with the rest of the culture. Now, typically, the red X will fit with some of the culture because most asset management firms are competitive. They want to develop high alpha strategies. They want to bring home the bacon. They want to be the winners. And the red X indeed contributes to that. The problem is the red X doesn't really live by any of the other cultural morals, mores, like respect, trust, teamwork, all these things. So what we say is, the red X, that's a real choice for management. Are you willing to live with that person being so far out of the culture? So I was in a meeting in Boston with a number of investment management CEOs, and I said to the group, I pointed to the red X. We had a chart up that showed a red X, and I said, what do you do with the red X? And this one fellow, very candid fellow, stood up out of his chair and said, you ride that horse for as long and as hard as you can. And I thought that was wonderfully honest, but two people equally quickly on the other side of the room stood up and said, if you do that, you'll ruin your firm. So it's not a simple-minded issue. It's actually a very difficult management issue. Because in the investment world, you need people who are contrarians. You need people who think differently, who have the courage of their conviction. And oftentimes, that's interpreted as red X. He disagreed with me in that meeting. He told me I was full of junk. He said that was no good what I said. Oh, it's terrible. Well, yes and no. He might have learned a different way to say it that wouldn't be quite so hurtful. But you certainly want people who are willing to debate and take the other side of it. Lots of research shows you need to have full-fledged discussions, good debate, in order to get the best answers. So the red X is an interesting problem. I'll tell you one fun story. I was in London, there were 10 people in the room, all senior managers. They had called us in specifically to talk about the red X. And so I said, well, how many red X's are in this room? And we had the clicker technology, so the anonymity was in place and they clicked up. Four people of the 10 said, we have four red X's in this room. Three people said, that we have, four people said we have three red Xs, and two people said we have two red Xs. So everybody acknowledged there was a red X in the room. The next clicker slide said, are you the red X? And of course, everyone said no. (laughs) So it's not an easy problem. We can identify red Xs, but are we willing to get up, look in the mirror, get some feedback from our colleagues, and say, you know what? I behave a little bit like that red X.
0: Jim, earlier in uh, your response to the first question, you touched on this a bit, but I'm curious to learn what you feel are the most uh, critical skills that an investment professional must possess in today's climate, and do you think that that skill set, as you mentioned earlier, to be a good investment professional is mutually exclusive to the skill set needed to be a good leader?
1: Good question. Let me say we've done a lot of research on the what we think are the best, most effective investment firms, ones that have built strong cultures, shown good track records, had a lot of success. And we know what those skill sets look like. So here's what the best firms are doing. Very clearly differentiated from the average asset management firm. They are getting the compensation right, meaning they get that figured out so people feel comfortable with it and then they get it off the table. They don't make it a preoccupation to talk about money and compensation, they get it off the table. Secondly, they get the right people around the senior table. So they work hard to make sure it's a talented group of people. Third, they build trust, which is hugely important. Trust uh, uh, both on two fronts, character and competency. So the people have integrity, they have a win-win kind of view of things, and they're really good at their jobs. That leads to the ability to have open debate. So they get really good, robust conversations going. And they value and appreciate one another. So those are the five things we've found that the very best investment firms do. Now, when we work with the leaders themselves, the characteristic, certainly intelligence is one of the characteristics. So they have to be very bright people, but that's usually a given. We don't run into a lot of dull crayons in the box when we deal with investment people. But the characteristic that really separates the great leaders is what we call learning agility. And we sum it up in one word curiosity. The really great leaders are very curious about life in general, about markets, and about themselves. So they practice self awareness almost naturally. And when you come in and you have feedback for them, they may not fully agree with it, but they will listen. They will listen to the feedback. And in that way, they're not blindsided. You know, they really do a nice job of collecting information so that they can live up to what Darwin said. It's not the fastest or the strongest that survive. It's the most adaptive. So when they get feedback, they process it, and then they adapt if necessary. If they don't, they they can stay the course, but sometimes they need to adapt. Simply put, curiosity is the most important of the professional skills.
0: Thank you again for joining us today, Jim. And thank you for watching this episode of the CFA Institute Take 15 series. To view more episodes in this series or other educational products, please visit us at www.cfainstitute.org.
1: Copyright 2011 CFA Institute. No part may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, electronic, mechanical, recording, or otherwise, without the express prior written permission of CFA Institute.